Hello and welcome to Bit Party, a show where we take minor details from popular movies and use them to create ideas for new movies that we then sell to Hollywood for $4 million. This week, Willem Dafoe introduces Charlie Sheen to drugs. This is Platoon. Thank you for listening to Bit Party. My name is Brendan Kata. My name is Jared Kata. My name is T. Coop Kata. Welcome back to the show, T. Coop. Welcome back in front of the mic. Yes! And a lot of our listeners out there know that our friend T. Coop here is our producer. He keeps us on track. He keeps us on schedule. He does a lot for the show. I try. And we're really grateful that you wanted to join us again for another episode. It's my honor. It really is. We're happy to have you back. Yeah, especially because I think that fifth, The Fifth Element was one of our standout episodes. I'm still loving Flossed in Paradise. Flossed in Paradise? Is yeah, that what it's called? that's what it's called. Flossed in Paradise. Yeah. It's, a, it's like a yeah. bad cruise to the Bahamas in space. <laughs> that's exactly what it is. I never stopped thinking about that. And, and that, that episode was, was amazing. And it has been... About a year, okay? So yes. we need to check in and see how things are going. How is the music industry? How are How is your work? How is uh, everything creative that you've been working on? Everything is flowing as it should be. No matter where you go, there you are. I hate that saying sometimes, but I really do love it because, you know, usually you're in the space that you need to be in, the place that you need to be in. So I've actually had a time to really do a lot of stuff. I got a mixtape coming out. I got an album coming out. I got a show that I'm going to do. I I had hair for a long time. You guys know because you see me all the time. But um, I had long locks. I had locks for like 15 years and then I cut them off. That's, how did that? How has that changed your life? Man, the... Uh, the attention is is more than I thought it was gonna be. <laughs> really, <laughs> to say the least. The attention uh, fr- from who? Everybody, just <laughs> just people in general. The uh, the attention is different, and the funny thing about it is, when I started my hair, it was to signify a certain thing, but it didn't signify that anymore. So I had to cut my hair to signify the things that I wanted. To signify is it was it was a symbol before and right. now the symbol is you shedding that right and, and sort right. of this metamorphosis yeah. of your, of and your it's, career it's about and, it's about being free it's about being yourself and never be afraid to be that person or to make change change but that's that person though yeah you have to yeah. be that person that's not afraid of change or even the standards that you hold to yourself you know i'm glad that you're talking about this because when people ask us about making a podcast or doing something that you're putting out into the public, that is the message that I always try to, to give them. Is sort of a, if you provide the content, people will respond to it. Sometimes it'll be negative, sometimes it'll be positive, but always. as you grow and evolve, always. it will the positives will far outweigh the negative effects of that. Always, yeah. always, always, always. We talk about change a lot, but I want to talk about something that has been consistent. Okay. Which is the influence of your grandma. Oh, Grammy. <laughs> and Brendan and I finally had the opportunity to meet Grammy. Yeah. And it was a life changing experience <laughs> yeah. to say the least. So can you give us an update on I how forgot. Grammy's doing? I forgot. I forgot. Um so I'm I'm a I'm a super mutt. Not even just a regular mutt, I'm a super mutt. My dad's side of the family is like half black, uh and like half Indian from North Carolina, South Carolina, and we're from like Lumbee Indians, if I'm not mistaken. Uh And then my mom's side of the family is black and American, but they're also Bahamian. So it's just like a whole different mesh of stuff. So Bahamians, Bahamians don't say grandma. This is a, I'm giving Mm -hmm. you guys some island blood. (laughs) I've been adopted into my Jewish brethren, so I have to, you know, embrace them as well. So they're kind of Bahamian now too. So Bahamians never say grandma. Uh Everybody's a Grammy. I go into my Grammy. That's how I, I, I talk. I talk like this. When Bahamians say, I go into my Grammy, that's what they mean. Okay. okay. So my grandmother has been a pillar for since I've been forever, you know, since I've been here. And that's one of the reasons why we get to have this podcast because I grew up with sonnets on the walls and every holy book in the house. So we have the Torah. We have the Quran. We have the, the Holy Bible. We also have the Bhagavad Gita. We have everything in her house. 
So for us, it was uh, if you love people, you love people, and if you don't, you're a shitty person. <laughs> like she, all- <laughs> she is nothing if not direct. Yeah, she's a some. She is something, and uh, she always tells me, even when I'm not here, I'm gonna be right over your shoulder. <laughs> That's her line for me. So Grammy is a big part of the way that I am, and I appreciate her, and I always champion her. And I'm glad you guys got a chance to come and meet her. We're going to have another yeah. powwow. That's she, great. Because she's yeah. always asking about my Cotter brothers. She's what? always saying when, they, when they're coming back. And I say, well, they travel a lot. They do a lot of things. <laughs> you know, they'll, they'll squeeze us in, Grammy. So we're coming up on Hanukkah, Christmas. Yes. What are you doing for the holidays? Are you going to be leaving Miami? Are you going to be spending it with Grammy? So for me, I, uh, I have a very interesting life. I've always had an interesting life, which is... Well, I'm interesting, I guess, to say <laughs> I, I love that you guys laugh with me. That was awesome. Um, so I just spent Thanksgiving with my dad's side of the family, and that's interesting in itself. I went to Augusta, Georgia for the first time, and I was terribly afraid <laughs> because I stick out even when I'm in Miami. So I could only imagine how much I'm going to stick out when I go to Augusta. But it wasn't bad. It was I was with my family, and that was awesome. Um, and then I get the, the chance to come back and, and hang out with Grammy, which is my mom's side of the family. And uh, actually, I gotta, I'm going a, I'm to a backtrack a little bit. Sorry, guys. The thing with my family in Augusta, Georgia, is they're really like Southern Baptists and like really, really church-going people. So for Thanksgiving, like we sing hymns. Yeah, yeah. I put it, I put that. I put it on the gram. Like we sing, we hold hands, we, we actually praise and worship god right before we eat like the mm-hmm. whole deal so we do the whole thing and um and then i come back to my family in in south florida and we just drink and have fun <laughs> <laughs> dig in <laughs> we just dig in you know what i'm saying it's like everybody makes a toast and we make a prayer but up there there's a little more ceremony there's a little more tradition um but it gives me balance you know you got to be yeah balanced. it's a cool side to see yeah, well it was, it was nice for our our thanksgiving dinner we had some friends over here we don't go i saw home. the i saw the friendsgiving i was jealous i was <laughs> a little jealous you guys had like oh we yeah, yeah, had a games it turned like, into a game night but yeah. we, we had it we did a nice prayer before yeah. uh before the meal non-denomin- and it was it was non yeah thank you yes thank it was non-denominational yeah, that's yeah. exactly what i said before yeah. i said this is a non-denominational house so as long as you mention hashem once if you don't you better <laughs> but yeah that was nice it was very one nice. of our friends just like that's what we wanted to do before dinner it's like all right no everybody who was there got to be recognized one thing i will say about the Cotter brothers and i'm so glad that they adopted me is because they're very very accepting people the Cottas are very very accepting people okay don't think because they're big podcasters and they've, <laughs> ma- and, and they've made millions of dollars um, that they're not cool guys. No, they're they're cool guys. They're down to guys. earth. So <laughs> yeah, I love these guys. These guys are all right. <laughs> I don't hang with people that I can't really throw my shit around with. So these guys are definitely cool. That's we we feel the same about you, yeah, Tico. Definitely, you. we we are, we couldn't be be more honored to have you as a part of this uh, podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's the crowd screaming. Yeah, they're not really screaming. Look, before we get any further, okay, I want to introduce the movie that we did tonight. It. Oof. It's gonna. It's it's pretty intense. Mm. Introduce the movie, and then let's get right into some of the things in pop culture that we're enjoying and appreciating right now. Heard that. Heard that. Okay. Um. So we did a we did a war film. Everybody knows about war. Everybody talks about war, but we did a very particular war film, which is Platoon. Platoon. Yeah. And it was I, the only one we could find on streaming services. <laughs> that was the particular part want, of it. Okay, yeah. <laughs> no, but yeah, the yeah. is unique in that it's on Netflix. We <laughs> <laughs> don't need to know that. They don't need to but know. to be perfectly honest, this was definitely a movie that was on our radar, so it just sort of worked out. But it actually really worked out, though. It yeah. really did. It really did. Just jumping into the uh, stream of what you're going through, your consciousness and everything. Let me hear your pop culture. Um, So I'm going to do an album, and I'm going to do a one-man show. I've been trying to do a lot of things for myself for 2020. So I want to do this one-man show because I've always talked about doing a one-man show. I grew up in theater. I grew up in music. So I wanted to do something that kind of bridges those worlds. So I've been watching a lot of stand-up. Well, there's there's two groups that I put things in. There's one man shows and then there's stand up. Yeah. So my favorite comedian is Eddie Murphy. Okay. So Eddie Murphy Raw, Eddie Murphy Delirious, 
both are on streaming services. So I've been watching a lot of that. And um, John Leguizamo and Robin Williams, those are two first people that I saw doing one-man shows. I was like, I need to do that. Whatever that is, I want to do it. When you get on stage and you talk to people, I'm of the mind, like, what are you going to do for me? You know, mm -hmm. if, if I'm going to sit here and spend my life and my time watching you, what are you going to do? You better have something to connect and, and say. and, and Connection, you know yeah, is like, a very important part. So what are you saying that's really human? So Robin Williams does that better than anybody, in my opinion. Wow. He makes everything that he does hilarious. Yeah. Even if it's really sad, because he was a really sad individual, mm -hmm. there's something about turning your tragedy into triumph. Mm -hmm. And so I'm a big fan of that. What you guys been watching? I know you guys watch a lot of stuff, though. I, I like the fact that you were inspired by the stand-up and the one-man shows that you've been watching, because I have been getting very inspired. Now, I'm not going to go into a a Netflix or a streaming uh, show right now because honestly I haven't I haven't had that much time between the editing and I've been in uh, a couple of classes lately um, but I've been spending a lot of time commuting so I've been listening mm. more which I was never really this is gonna sound weird but I was never really into podcasts can you believe it? <laughs> it's strange but I was never really into podcasts until very recently and as a lot of people know I like to cook I've been listening to the Bon Appetit foodcast. He does cook. Oh, really? He does oh, cook. yeah. He I cooks. love this one. He cooks really well. I cook. I cook very well. He's very well. Ah, I cook very well. Don't be humble. And, and I've don't been, be humble. And <laughs> I've been getting inspired a lot by by the by the people that are on this uh, podcast. The the Bon Appetit media team is really good, led by Adam Rapoport. That group inspired a lot of the dishes that I did for Thanksgiving. They built me up, so I I, I just have to it was shout, really good. shout out to Bon Appetit for inspiring this last Thanksgiving and okay. making it exceptional. <laughs> That's awesome. It was okay. exceptional. So you're not really watching things. Brendan, what are you watching? you got to be watching something. I watched The Dark Crystal not too long ago. Oh, The Jim man. Henson... Mm project that's in the family that's why i'm snapping you're a big fan oh we're big fans keep going it is such a weird universe it's an awesome we to get invested in so i, I went from that Gelfling. and it was yeah the Gelflings, the the skexies, skexies yeah. who somehow got into power despite being like having nothing that would get them into power no no bs sorry to cut you off my no, dad no. literally will call me a skexy just to be a, <laughs> like a dick sometimes skexies what I like is that it does seem pretty pure Jim Henson. Like, there are things that he didn't yes. even bother explaining. Why? Because he just likes... Yeah, why? Why? Um, so I, I went from that to watching the Netflix series based off of that movie. How is that? I've, I've been wanting to dive into that, but I, I was I, afraid. I really think you should. I like it. I think that they, they explore some interesting themes. But I was also... I didn't grow up with the universe. Oh... So, so it's kind of misplaced sometimes. Exactly. I'm coming okay. into it a little bit fresh. The characters are a little bit weird for me. It was made by someone who you can tell cared a lot about the original movie. Mm. So I think you should. And I think that the themes they explore with, with modernizing it, they explore a lot of um, uh, environmental topics because, as we see in the movie, the, the world that we see is blighted yeah. and destroyed by the mm -hmm. Skeksis. And it's... It's one of those few things that you can watch with everybody. Yeah. You know? So I, I think you should definitely check it out. I'd like to do a quick sidebar. And I know we didn't talk about this, but this is just as we flow. My family has this thing where there's certain creatives where we would like to walk through their minds. So we always say that. And Jim Henson is one of those mm -hmm. people who I would love, even though I might hate it afterwards, but I would love to have walked through one of his dreams. Who would you want to walk through their mind? So I know oh, this is not on that's topic. That's a good question. That's not even on topic, and that's not nothing do we do, but just, I don't know. I would say that one of the people would be like a uh, like a Tolkien. Ooh. Because not Tolkien, only did yes. he invent a entire world and a universe, he invented languages, languages, he invented a lot of different like things. three languages, at least three. Yeah. The first person that popped into my head was... David Bowie. Like an older Ooh. David Bowie especially. Yes. That's a really good one. Yes. Because he was so he he was a trendsetter yes. and he was so weird but appealed to so many yes. people.
Let me cruise through this plot though. Even though it's a complex film, I don't know how in depth I can go into all of these different battles that they go through. Yeah. I'll try to hit some of the critical components because do your best. I'll do my best here. Do I mean, best. I just did Pulp Fiction. I feel like I can accomplish almost anything. <laughs> Quentin Tarantino was yeah. my guy. The year is 1967, and Ooh. we're introduced to Chris Taylor. That's Charlie Sheen. He is a volunteer in the U.S. Army. He has been dropped into an infantry platoon in South Vietnam near the Cambodian border. And he is really green. In super the, green. He's super green. And not in the nice way that is in The Fifth Element. Super green. He's That's an amateur. a callback. That's a nice callback <laughs> from an early podcast. Guys, thank you for listening. Super green. Continue, brother. He is very new to the Nam. And uh, he is introduced to a whole grab bag of great characters. But some of the most important people and the and what really shows the the bipolar nature of duality. the conflict. The duality of man. I, I want to say duality, but we did duality when we talked about Full Metal Jacket. Jacket. So right. it's right. like I, yeah. I didn't want to do right. I didn't want to go right to the, to it. Yeah. yeah. But the Born to Kill is Barnes. Yeah, Born to Kill <laughs> is Barnes and and the peace button. pendant button <laughs> is Sergeant Elias. And uh, we have to give a shout out to Sergeant Elias because that is played by the one and only Willem Dafoe. <laughs> William, a young William. It's I'm Willem. Oh, you're right. You're right. You're right. <laughs> you are right, my brother. Thank you. And I mean, that brother's looking good. Like he been doing, putting Maybelline on his skin and everything. I mean, he looks good. A, a young Willem Dafoe is actually an incredibly handsome man. Yeah. 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 Even, even in Cambodia. <laughs> Even in Cambodia, he looks nice. The key to making him look this good is to surround him by people who look so exhausted. <laughs> <laughs> well, these two characters, Barnes and Elias, they sort of run their different sectors of the platoon. And you have Barnes, who's got the straight and arrow uh, individuals. They're like the, the killers, the cold-hearted people. And you have Elias, who's hanging out in the drug den, smoking reefer. And listening to don't forget opium and smoking a little opium. opium. This is this is Cambodia. <laughs> that was a great scene. From then on, we have a series of really serious moments in which Chris Taylor is observing the horrors of war, and so you have like the booby traps that are cutting through his his platoon, killing a lot of people. They're going into these uh, communities looking for NVAs, shooting a bunch of civilians and raping and horrible things. I think that one of the critical things about this film was that Oliver Stone was, he was actually in Vietnam. He was trying to portray a realistic Vietnam. Yeah. Not the mm. glorified war hero whatever mm. he was trying to go about it and so he's introducing all of these characters that are very very real and he's introducing th People. that the main conflict was between america and itself or yes, the american yes. soldiers and themselves mm, yeah. barnes right, and and elias they represent these two ideologies and they butt heads so much so that they end up well barnes ends up killing elias yeah. And leaving him for dead. No face, no case, baby. That's what he did. Yeah, yeah. He was pretty much like, oh, no, he died over there. Yeah. Yeah. And if you go look, I'm going to shoot you. Yeah. <laughs> and that's when we have that very iconic scene. Probably one of... I, I think I forgot that it was actually Defoe's role. But this has got to be one of the most iconic scenes in film history. I've, when he's running through v the, the forest and he gets shot and his hands are up in the air in a big... I've never seen somebody die so well. Yeah. I've never seen it. Oh, my <laughs> God. I thought you died well when you were uh, the Green Goblin, but no, 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 no. That was another good death, though. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Platoon was way better. It was a young William Defoe. You look better. <laughs> better for your highlight reel. When I'm watching a film, no bullshit, my hair stands up when certain music starts to play because it cues you to what's about to happen. There's actually a certain visual with um, Charlie Sheen being in the jungle right before one of the ambushes. I wish I would have made a better note. But um, the note that I have is, um, feeling good is good enough. So they have a close-up on these guys' eyes. You know what I'm saying? The, it was it was right before Barnes shot uh, that's Defoe. That, yeah, it's like, yeah, so you know something epic is going to happen. Not necessarily epic and good, but you know for a fact something is about to happen. So you're going to feel the music, and you're going to look at it, and you go, oh, my gosh. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. They'll they'll get on edge or they'll care about someone. That mm-hmm. would that's what makes film such an art form. All of the lines that we're we're kind of talking about here are supposed to set up that message, which is that this is what people put themselves through in this conflict. And yeah. where where like feeling good is good enough is basically like the bare minimum your li- your breathing your yep. your heart is beating mm-hmm. is essentially as much as you can ask of it at yeah. this point. You know what I mean? Facts. And and that was again that's the message that Oliver Stone is trying to to get across, which is just how horrible all of this was. One of the things I took from this film was war and death make you think about your life. That's usually how that works. That's well, I mean, that, that actually sets up really well for this closing uh, segment, which is as this platoon is setting up for, in a defensive position, you have Taylor in a foxhole with, uh, with one of the other soldiers, Francis, and they are confronted by this ambush of NVA soldiers. Hundreds of them. Uh, yeah, many, many. The worst attack that they could possibly imagine. They fucked. Yeah, and everybody's <laughs> blasting away, and it's it's an it's a really cool battle. However, at the very end, Taylor grabs B- Sergeant Barnes. He's trying to drag him away because he actually wants to pull him out before the napalm strikes. Jesus. But Barnes turns around and is about to smash Taylor's face with an e-tool. That's when the napalm strikes right behind him. This final scene of them kind of crawling through the forest once they come you, to. You kind of forget how dangerous napalm is. No, this reminds you. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. It's horrible. Yeah. yeah. But Taylor's walking through the jungle, comes across Barnes, and decides he's going to get some payback for what Barnes I did to Elias. I'm going to put him right there. Oh, I'm going to have so many sound effects right there. Oh, my God. <laughs> Sorry, guys. I actually help produces so in my brain I'm already thinking about sound effects and stuff like that <laughs> yeah Taylor and Francis being airlifted out Taylor got one of those million dollar injuries where he just gets to kind of go home yeah and he is reflecting on this horrible experience that he just had mm. and what is getting him out of uh, of, of the nom and uh, that's where where it leaves us. Yeah, yeah. They kind of sum up all of the 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 point that the movie was trying to make that Oliver Stone is trying to make by uh, by drawing on his time in Vietnam. Absolutely. Very artistic film. Very intense. Very intense. Um, but yeah. So so there it is. I mean, th- th- this is a great, really great uh, movie. We like to do at least like one war film during the season. I think that they're a really critical part of film history. I will say that they're not the most carefree and fun movies that we do. And I <laughs> always feel like we have to be a little bit cautious uh, when we're kind of going over and pitching our new films and it's making our jokes and doing our things. Yeah, it's like, lot. this is a comedy podcast, kind of. So, you know, now we're going to talk about war. Real, yeah. Real, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Real life happens. Yeah. And we just pop it up. Okay. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, so there is some really cool trivia about this film. One of the ones that really caught my attention was that the role of Charlie Sheen was originally written for Jim Morrison of The Doors. Holy wow. fuck, you just blew my whole mind. Yeah. So Oliver Stone really? Oliver Stone had originally written this script and that character for Jim Morrison, who unfortunately passed, passed away, away. Yeah. prior to uh, being able to actually produce this film. Big fan of The Doors and Jim Morrison because he was a great writer and he passed away before his time. He was my favorite Beatle. <laughs> that was great. That was great. What's uh, what's interesting about Oliver Stone writing this for him was when Jim Morrison was found dead in Paris, this script was actually among his possessions. Wow. Another thing that I think that you guys will really like because it's about a bit party favorite is Keith David is not only in this movie and a fantastic actor he's also a hero yeah because at one point during filming he and charlie sheen were in a helicopter that banked hard and charlie sheen fell towards and would have fallen out of an open door but keith david just snatched the back of his like vest and brought him back in nobody wants to fall in cambodia no not from that height and uh so yeah keith david saved a life that day and i think he should get some recognition for saving Charlie Sheen. Charlie Sheen saved. That'd be a cool movie. 
Ooh, that could have been a bit. Not this time, though. <laughs> well, not... speaking of, speaking of, let's jump uh, into, let's jump into it. Uh, there's a reason why people tune in week after week for Bit Party, <laughs> and that reason is bit parts that stole our hearts and those new movies that we pitch about them, and uh, and and just really making an impact on the movie industry. Hopefully, one day for four million dollars. No, 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 no. For a fact. Because I've spent my four million from the last. Oh, excuse me. I spent my one million from the last one. That's what we do in Bit Party. We get a million, but we spend a million fast. Oh yeah, you gotta yeah. spend it fast. Yeah. Because as everybody knows, the faster you spend it, the less they tax you. <laughs> We're gonna get right into it. I need to hear some quality pitches about the bit parts that stole your hearts. Mm. Who wants to go first, Brendan? I uh, well. Can you know what? No, no, do Brendan. No, no, do Brendan. I think I, I think I'm gonna go first. You go first. Yeah, I am the oldest Cotta brother. Yeah, you are. I, I guess I am editing this podcast. I, guess, I, guess I put technically. in the most hours. <laughs> but I never like your shit though. Oh, never. I just do. That's fair. I I just I just hit gold on the last two episodes. <laughs> yeah, he's had the most this season. I've been crushing this season. I don't. I, whatever no, you say. No, no, he fine. is crushing. He is crushing though. He is crushing though. I can't be hating. There's a character that always stands out to me in this movie. And he eventually acquires this stick with barbed wire on the top. And he also likes to wear his bandana with shorts as he trudges through the forests of Vietnam. And he is at the very end beating his chest as Charlie Sheen lifts off into the helicopter and flies away. And he goes simply by Ra. I'm pretty sure not only does he have the stick at the end, but he also has a machete in his hand. <laughs> it's both. It's that both. He's just like shouting it's with. both. He, I'm killing everybody. I think that what is cool about that character is that you can see over the course of the film how the, the trials and tribulations of the Nam and also the weight of having to be a leader of men that are going to die. It shapes you. It changes him. Yeah. And so at the very end, he's kind of lost his mind, but he is also this like... He is saying to Charlie Sheen, don't forget about us, like learn from this experience. Yeah. I don't know if that's really the message, but that's what I got out that's of That's what we got. No, that's what I got too. Here's the pitch. A Rambo style sequel <laughs> in wow. which him in his shorts. With the utmost sensitivity. With the utmost sensitivity. He's going around no. with this barbed wire stick, just no. beating the crap out of people. You know, and he, he goes on his like forest rampage and just ends up staying mm. in Cambodia and oh Vietnam so and did... is like a, a Bigfoot kind of character. Oh, wow. Can you believe this? I can't do it. Can't do it. I don't want to do it. I feel like I'm missing the message. Okay. But I also really <laughs> like that image of him with his uh, machete and his barbed wire staff yeah. beating well, people up. I think you could be forgiven for missing the message considering <laughs> there were two first-person shooter video games made about this movie. And this is called not getting it at all. <laughs> but I think that he, he is definitely a compelling character. And even if we relocated him because of the message of the movie, him as this wild man in his shorts, in because his cutoffs. He is. He is. Though. Yeah. It changes you. What, what what you got, Brendan? What what, what you got? There's What's your bit stuff. part? Yeah. The bit part that stole my heart throughout the entire movie was King, played by Keith David. Brilliant. He was fantastic in this movie. And I know we love him in a lot of other Jesus. things, but in this one, he really stood out to me. Yeah. You, you were introduced to him as someone who is called dumb because he's bad at spelling. Mm-hmm. Um, but... Uh, as the film progresses, he's the one that introduces Chris Taylor to uh, the unit and bonds with him in the in the drug den. And right before he leaves the movie, he also talks Chris Taylor, Charlie Sheen, out of this depression by giving him a sense of perspective. So even though he starts off the movie seeming very dumb, it's shown that he's actually very wise. And I think it's a really interesting character for Keith David. Mm. And he's a bit party favorite. And he's absolutely, yeah, yeah. We've, we've cast him in a number of things. My movie is centered around King after he leaves. We see that he gets his papers to go home and returns to the United States. I would like to continue with two themes of his, which is people underestimating his abilities and it being shown that they're wrong, mm. and his ability to talk people through difficult situations. Mm-hmm. 
So my my pitch is a movie in which he is in a support group helping veterans and is maybe brought to Washington, D.C. Like to that. testify about the situation that he saw in Vietnam with regards Ooh. to uh, one of the lieutenants and the sergeants that he interacted he's with. He's been in the field, too, so he knows it. So I would like a movie that just shows him getting through a difficult situation, much like he helps people through in the movie, with the help of Sarah, who is the woman that in the very beginning when he's writing his letter, he's writing to. And I think giving her a strong My heart would be... My boo! Hey, This is great. This is great. But that's that, that's a long... It was, it's pretty long-winded, but that's that's my pitch because I really did like this character in the movie. He's good. He's, yeah. What I did was, though... I don't even know these guys' names. You guys are going to have to help me out. Um, I, I know Forrest Whitaker and Candyman. Black people know him only as Candyman the scariest figure you can ever show to a black person okay so tony todd plays the character of warren and then forrest whitaker plays big harrell big harrell is the guy you know from up the street that's the guy that's in front of the uh the corner store that's like asking you for lucy's so i wanted to do something with those two like maybe they went to the same high school they were like on the same wrestling team or something like that and they both got you know pitched off to nam and one thing i will say about this film which is crazy that it worked out this way is uh, I actually have a lot of family members who were in the service and currently in the service. Army, Navy, Marines, Coast Guard, Air Force. Wow. The whole thing. The whole gamut. Yeah. You know, so a lot of these stories actually in the film I've heard firsthand. You know, when you get back to America <clears throat> and actually we should take a time because Bit Party always cares about the veterans is we should take a time right now to actually appreciate the veterans who have been in the, the wars that are going on in America Currently, because a lot of us don't think about it, but those are people on the front lines who are actually protecting you. That's well said. You know, so... Um, he, so you, you could really weave in some of the things that you know from your family yeah. and your background and make the these characters... It, yours is a prequel. Yeah. And so we'll be looking at what they were like prior to their time in the military. That's what I would like. Because that's going to really show like what kinds of changes they went through. Maybe. And endured. Maybe. But during I like, I like Brendan's, though. I like Brendan's. So but you're just already voting for Brendan? <laughs> I just got to, man. I, just, I got to keep but it. But I have been winning all this whole season. Hey, you got to Like lose. Charlie Sheen. I don't, <laughs> ah, tiger blood. I am the one with the tiger blood. I don't, no, want, I don't want Brendan to have. <laughs> you're real. Oh. Well, I already know that Brendan is voting for him, so this was this was this may not be, have been the most perfect transition. But oh man, what I can say is that uh, if you're voting for Brendan's, and I know Brendan always only votes for himself, <laughs> as you should, good sir. It's okay with me if Brendan gets one win because he was just complaining last episode that he hasn't had one <laughs> this wow. season. But I actually think that this character, being as Keith David is one of our uh, favorite actors and a bit party mm-hmm. uh, But he's really veteran. awesome, though. He's really awesome. Oh, yeah. He's yeah. really awesome. So, you know what? You picked a winner, Bren. I say we uh, we do explore the Keith David story. I, I really appreciate that. Yeah. And I, I humbly accept your nominations. <laughs> the crowd goes wild. Brennan, congratulations. I will no longer be a <laughs> spoiled loser. I uh, I want to just let you know that I think you're going to do fine. <laughs> Such a dirt bag. <laughs> yeah. As long as we get our four million, I'll be happy. Your movie is about King, uh, played by the legendary Keith David. And you kind of alluded to this being a story about him reacclimating to society after his time in the NOM. Do you want to hit us with some of your uh, your pitch, beginning, middle, end, as we always do? Let us know what movie's going to get us four million dollars. Because I need four million. <laughs> we each get a million. Oh, well, I, need, I need. I need something. I need something. So my movie will open with King returning home, returning to Sarah. Uh, I, I think that he should live in a smaller town because Charlie Sheen makes a point of saying that the people that he's meeting are from basically nowhere Mm -hmm. returns this small town he's acclimating well because he has this support group that he's going to and he's a generally pretty upbeat guy and he has sarah i think sarah should be a very strong role for him so he's back in his small town he he's he's reconnected with sarah 
is he's in the support group, but I feel like because of his wisdom, he he's leading it at some point. I think that's a very good point to make is that he is helping a lot of the people that he's talking to every week. But everything changes when he gets a letter saying that uh, the government is looking into crimes committed by Lieutenant Wolf. Article 15 kind of shit. Yeah. And, and that whole platoon, really, what they did in these different towns and the, the conflict between Elias and Barnes. Well, that's what I wanted to get into with why he is, why this trial is much longer than he expected it to be. Mm-hmm. I think he should expect to be there for a day, two days maybe, but it goes into more because they delve into different people in the platoon mm-hmm. because how can Lieutenant Wolf be considered incompetent? When all these other people are also committing so war something crimes. something main mundane turns into something really really serious exactly and you it's know? hurting him the whole way because yeah. he has to relive this he has to talk badly about a superior officer yeah I can see these flashbacks coming to him even when he is safe in bed with Sarah and he is reliving these moments in the on the border with Cam- um, Cambodia and Vietnam fighting the NVA let me ask you this though before we get any further. I would love to cast our our male and female lead Ooh, because I would like to set yeah. up that visual. Yeah. Good call, good call. So so let's let's cast King. Well, before we get into any of that, I just want to say, obviously the narrator will be Keith David. Oh yeah, oh, that's we'll just, oh, Keith, that's not even a question. He'll just narrate <laughs> the movie. He'll open it up and it'll be Keith David's voice, and then it'll get into the character. So who do you who are you thinking for King? Someone that I was thinking was John Boyega uh-huh. of yeah, Star good. Wars fame. I love Very good. It. He's got a strong chin. People never really think about that, but he's got a strong he does, chin. Yeah. He does. Yeah, so does Keith David. Yeah. All right, so King John Boyega. I yes. like him. like that. I love him. I love him. I like that. But let's also cast Sarah. Brendan, do yeah. you have someone in mind for that already? Mm. You know, someone that I think would be great for this role uh, is is a character like a like a Zoe Saldana, that strong empowered woman? Oh, because that's really what King needs when he gets back to society. I have yeah. such a crush on Zoe. Zoe Saldana is fantastic, and I think like she's a girl worth writing to when you're in Vietnam. Great physique, great physique for sure. And I think that she is someone that um, she would be compelling to watch as she goes about her own ambitions, her own lives that she obviously took up while he was in the Nam. Yeah, and now handling that and also handling him with the support that he needs yeah while he's going through yeah. this trial and she's got a strong face too she has an incredibly strong when, when face you, when you see her close-ups you see the the actual gripping her eyes do a yeah, lot of work yeah like she does Absolutely. she actually yeah no i'm with yeah. that she's awesome so so he's pulled into this really horrible trial mm-hmm. uh about the tr- atrocities that he has already witnessed yeah article 15 stuff you know He's, he's getting questioned a lot, not only because he was a witness to these things, but also because people are questioning his credibility, which yeah. is obviously because he comes across as like a kind of a simple person in the film, but what we know about him is that he's oh. actually quite wise, he's actually yeah. quite he comes off. I like that a lot. In the film, he comes off as a dunce, but actually when you talk to him, he's very articulate. Right, yeah. exactly. Oh, in, yeah. in a very simple way. He doesn't use a lot of words, but he's very articulate. And what I like about him is that he's super charismatic, and you see that when yeah. he brings Charlie Sheen into the fold. One of the other characters that I want to cast is maybe one of the military lawyers that uh, is pressuring King Kevin Spacey? No. It cannot be Kevin Spacey. It cannot. But I think that you're on sort of a correct direction. Maybe not. Actually, I I disagree with that because Kevin Spacey can play kind of a conniving character, but I want somebody who is really confrontational. Yes. And yeah. who is a dominant person in the room because of just their them being an imposing figure. I was thinking more like a Jeffrey Dean Morgan. Oof. He plays Oof. Negan on The Walking Dead, so everybody knows that he is a very imposing individual. Yeah. yeah. And so, you hate him. Yeah, even, you hate him. Even though you love him, you kind of hate him. He inspires this kind of hatred, but you can't help but be impressed by his sort of like figure. Yes, yeah. And I think another thing that's really important about the character that you brought up is like you want him to be American. This guy has to be American. He so, is super so American. That, so like the Southern twang, he can do that very well. Yeah. But he could also do like the city slicker kind of thing. Yeah. You know. Yeah. So he can do uh, 
different accents. I like that. Yeah. So yeah. we have uh, we have John Boyega playing King. We have whoop, whoop, whoop. Zoe Saldana playing Sarah. My boo. And we have Jeffrey Dean Morgan coming at us with that hard-nosed lawyer. Yeah. yeah. Grilling John Grilling. Boyega, making him sweat. Yeah. Oof, oof. Yeah, I but I think what I see in the end is things kind of wrap up well for King. He is found to be a very credible witness. There are certain aspects of what happens in that platoon, especially the incompetence of Lieutenant Wolf Jackass. that come to life. Yeah. Yeah. Lieutenant Barnes gets his comeuppance, but I think that Elias should be post-ominously honored. I agree with that. Yeah. I love comeuppance. That that had nothing to do with the podcast, but you just it, that word. Yeah, oh my god, when people say comeuppance, oh my gosh, you won't get exactly what's coming to you. Comeuppance. Can I say something really quickly just about the movie that I feel like I just want to touch on is Tom Berenger as Sergeant Barnes is probably one of the top 10 best movie villains of all time. Mm-hmm. He's terrifying, yeah. and he looks like he belongs there. Yes. He's fantastic. That's you, the scars on his face and the tone and his the not even his voice, not even the, I was gonna say the tone in his voice, but the tone in his eyes. Yeah, the whole film says like, "I'm here to fuck shit up." Everything he does looks like he was born fully formed in Vietnam right. to do what right. he's doing. Exactly, there. exactly, and it's incredible. There was okay. never a moment when he wasn't killing people. <laughs> he had he had a bloodlust, and it would be great if he. Guess what he deserves? Everybody gets what they deserve. Come yes. Wraps yeah. up that comeuppance is, yes. is achieved. Also, the last kind of cherry on top is King himself getting a distinguished medal I like from the that. army. Okay. I like that. Or I would that. also like him, this leading to him getting a job with like either a nonprofit or a, a military academy where he's helping people transition either into or out of the military. Something that's usually... a a pretty academic field, yeah, but he's he, using his people skills and his wisdom I like to help that. people. I like that. He's not yeah. just going to go to the AA groups and talk about people who drink too much whiskey. He's actually doing something with his service time. Yeah. Yes, I yeah, like yeah. That. He he, like he makes the world a better place afterwards. Oh my gosh. Last thing to close up this movie. Hit me with the blooms. <laughs> Man. Roll. You know, the thing about Jeff Goldblum, he's just walking into a room and just light it up. So he could be somebody that's coming into the, the focus groups, or he could be somebody that's dying in the field. You want him to play one of the f- soldiers from the American uh, Maybe. military or the Maybe. North Vietnamese? I, I don't know. I don't know. I, I feel like you're... He needs to be in this film at some point. Yeah, though. but I, and that's sort of the thing. is I, I feel like him just dying in a field is not really using him to his full potential. You're Brennan, so do you right. have something so else right. that's you're maybe... You're very right. You're very come right. Come on, hit me he, with something. He's better than that. Yeah, yeah. What if he was someone in the courtroom? Maybe like the jury or... Um, what if he was the judge? Oh, shit. The judge would be really good. I mean, that's a big role for him, though, for us. No, I don't think so. No? There's, there's nothing too big. Well, I want to test him. There's nothing. I, I want to sh- let him show off. There's no showing off. He's just Jeff Goldblum. There's nothing to but show off. What I say? Like, he, he needs to be allowed to, you know. He's Jeff Goldblum. Jeff Goldblum is, is that epic, though. Well, what I like about that is, like you were saying, he lights up any room he walks into. Every time. So him coming in as maybe not his usual frivolous self, because it is a more serious movie, but... It would be nice. He's clearly a friendly judge. He's not trying to, like, he's not out for anybody's blood. People like him when he enters in his big robes. Name of the film. Oof. And I got a good one, but I want to hear if anybody else has something. Or if you just want me to break it down and hit you with the with the winner right now. I mean, I, I need to win a little bit in this episode. I'm feeling very jealous right oh, now. Oh, man. Don't feel that way. I, I, I got a couple of things. Tell me. A walk. Because when you go when you go into a courtroom, you have to do that long walk. You know what I'm saying? It's like the walk. It's kind of like when you have a. It's it's like the judgment, like almost the same thing when you are about to get hung or about to get electrocuted. You have the long walk, the green yep. mile. Yeah, the green mile. I wouldn't call it the green mile, but like the walk. The walk. I, the walk is pretty cool. Uh, that's not gonna stick. Um, yeah, what, what's something that King says in the movie? Mm, okay, I got you. I, I don't. I don't have anything. Right Actually, now. no. I got. This is what I wanted. To yeah, do. I, I'm. I'm very curious about you. Okay. I want to call it "Break the Machine." Okay. Because Ooh. there is a lot of symbolism in the film. Yes. Of the military being like this machine, and yes, everybody yeah. is like this nameless, faceless kind of like animatron or cog in the machine, 
and then there is a line about if somebody's out of place, then it breaks the machine. That was a good part because that's Sergeant Barnes justifying his killing of Sergeant Elias. Exactly. Uh, but that's, that's a little cool. Cold. That's like, like cold, though. I want a little more. What was the line that King said that you really liked? If you keep your pecker hard and your powder dry, the world keeps on turning. I've never heard something more epic in my whole life. That's a great line. So let's say it's Pecker Hard, Power Pecker Hard. No, that's, that's going to be a weird film title. Yeah, this is not a, this is not not a triple X. Yeah. Keep David and keep your Pecker Hard. hard. Powder Dry. I feel like that's too much, though. I like, like Break the Machine dry. better. I like Break the Machine. Do you want to stick with Break the Machine? I think we should do I that. I think Break the Machine because okay. it, it, it reminds me of like Wag the Dog, where it's like you're doing something a little mm. bit outside mm. of the norm. Yeah. To tear down an institution. Okay. All right. Yeah, I'm, I'm, with I'm with it. I'm with it. I'm Break with the it. machine. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Preach. <laughs> okay. Four million dollar pitch out there in the universe. I am excited to start getting calls from Hollywood. I would invite Oliver Stone to direct this next film. I don't know if he's still alive <laughs> or not. If he is dead, then you know, rest he, in peace. No, he's alive. He makes okay, some weird he's shit. alive. <laughs> Perfect. All right, so he'll direct this, but we're going to get a million dollars each. Our brothers back home will get 750000 250000 uh, respectively, only, Marshall and, uh, and Landis. It's only right. It's, it's only, only right. right. You know, right. they're shareholders, as we always say. Uh, but I am really curious as to what you two will be spending your million dollars on. Uh, well, for me, I, it's it's very simple. It was actually clear cut for me this time. Uh, I'm actually gonna take, I'll take like half of that. You know what I'm talking about? And I'm gonna make a movie for the Candyman. <laughs> You're gonna do a Candyman sequel? There's there's been like seven Candymans. Okay. But you know what? There can always be another. Oh yeah. Okay, so I'm gonna take half of that. I'm gonna make another Candyman. And then the other half, what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna take Forrest Whitaker, and I'm gonna get him some eye surgery. <laughs> I, don't, I, don't, I don't know why, but that's sort of his that's like his signature. It's kind of like uh, Steve Buscemi with the teeth and everything. You like you just keep yourself. What's wrong with Steve Buscemi? <laughs> Nobody said he's it. too sexy. <laughs> Thank you. It's like Steve Thank Buscemi you. with a sex appeal. <laughs> yes, Steve Buscemi with a sex appeal is like Forrest Whitaker with a straight eye. God damn it! That's why I love my Cotter brothers. My money's spent. My money's spent. I feel like you have dramatically oh, oh, man. underestimated the cost of film production. <laughs> My idea came from what I think is at least the second most famous scene in this movie, in which Keith David and Willem Dafoe introduce Charlie Sheen to drugs. Oh, yeah. And they're in this big drug tent. Everyone's smoking weed. They've got Budweiser. Don't forget the opium. There's opium there. There's a lot of dancing. There seems like a lot of camaraderie. What I'm going to do is open up a bar in a legalized state that looks exactly like that scene. We have weed there. We have no opium, but (laughs) beer, 70s music, psychedelic shit on the walls. It's very smoky, and it's it's, it's a fun place. And obviously, a terrific veterans discount. Of course. Fantastic. Cambodian women floating around through there. It'll be great. I want you to make sure you call it the Nam. The Nam. That's cool. That's a great name. That's a great name. That's a great name. I feel, I feel like you both have spent the million dollars pretty well. However, I'm kind of thinking more about my profession now. Oh, wow. You're fancy. M- me as a movie podcaster, I'm ready for an upgrade in my general movie viewing technology. Oh, I it's, like that. It's beneath you at this point. Yeah. yeah. I've, I've kind of outgrown the, the TV that we have. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to spend my million dollars on one of the most expensive movie setups I can buy for my house. The first thing I'm going to get is the Panasonic TH-152UXIW. That's a 152-inch TV. Wow. It costs $770,000. <laughs> wait, 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 wait. Could you say that again? Could you it's say that? the Panasonic TH-152UXIW. Wow. That sounds like something you put in your car. Well, I think I just missed the Black Friday sale on it when it was only $700,000. Damn. But that's okay. I'm going to use the rest of the money that I have on the best Bose sound system I could possibly buy. Of course. I'm going to have a surround sound. I'm going to double wrap surround sound. Two times the speakers. Wow. I'm going to blow my ears out. If I could whistle right now, I would. Man. You could just add that in one of your sound effects. (laughs) (laughs) The last thing I'm going to get is... 
two OHC M8 massage chairs. Brendan and I will sit up just like on these little thrones. Yeah, yeah. This is awesome. Literally, if we laid the TV flat, it would be larger than our living room. So you can just imagine what this viewing experience. Unaccessible. It would actually be bigger than you as a person. Oh, it'll be huge. Wow. Yeah, so that's how I'm going to spend my million dollars in uh, a upgrade to our movie viewing experience. Very I, excited. I don't care. Forrest Whitaker's going to appreciate that new eye. He's going to appreciate that <laughs> new eye. His eyes work. <laughs> Do they? Do they? I don't know. Money actually. has never been a problem for Forrest Whitaker. <laughs> you can take away the man's signature look. <laughs> Just because you've been embracing change lately doesn't mean that Forrest Whitaker needs You're to. You're very right. You're very right. I'm ready to change, but maybe Forrest Whitaker just needs to be who he is. <laughs> I'm sorry, guys. <laughs> Man, but that eye, that would be a great eye. <laughs> Brendan, I feel like when we have guests, we always have to rush into the closing statement so that we can... <laughs> because at this point, I'm going to be editing for a damn near... <laughs> Forever? Two, three weeks. And then you have to produce it. Yeah, I know. I forgot. You're killing yourself. No, I'm not. This is great. This is like family time with my brothers. Brendan. Uh, Brendan, please help us. Thank you. Um, uh, (laughs) Excuse me, guys. Boop. Uh, Thank you all for listening. For Bit Party and the Cotta Brothers, I'm Brendan Cotta. I'm Jared Cotta. And I'm T. Coop Cotta. Look out for Break the Machine coming to a theater near you. Oh my gosh, this is epic. Thank you all so much for listening. Don't forget, you can like, share, and subscribe on either Apple or Spotify. On Twitter and Instagram, you can find us at BitPartyPod. And if you'd like to send us an email, we're bitpartypod at gmail.com. BitParty now has t-shirts available. Just go on Amazon and search Cotta Brothers to grab yours now. This episode was produced by the very talented T. Coop. You can find his music on Spotify and on his website. Just go to tcoopmia.com. That's T-C-O-O-P-M-I-A dot com. Tune in next time when we head to Detroit to see the future of law enforcement. Until then... We're the Cotter Brothers, and this has been Bit Party. Our ode to the bit parts that stole our hearts.